0: Welcome to my office. Thank you. You're welcome. Elena, we do welcome you uh, to more than just worship today, but to ministry here with us uh, for the next period of time, for the next season in your life and in ours. Uh, we're grateful that you're here. Uh, she is our third pastoral resident. Andrea kind of did a review for us, uh, but I'm going to hit it again because I know you don't always listen to everybody. To every word How do I know that? I'm guilty. Uh, the funding for this program comes from both our catalyst I could turn here a little bit so I can see everybody ca- comes from our catalyst ministry plan budget as well as partial funding from uh, the Ball Family Foundation, which is a Baptist family in Texas um, who has granted uh, literally millions of dollars, to Baptist uh, entities, to churches, to colleges, universities, seminaries, and just Baptist causes that are our ilk of Baptist, if you understand what I'm saying. So we're grateful for the boss, uh for their gift. Um, it's a program designed specifically for seminary graduates. Uh, so you've finished seminary, and... Um, you may or may not have ministry experience when you come to us, but somewhere along the way, you have sensed a call to be a senior pastor. So it's it's a um, it's a discerned call within ministry, a, a specialized call. Um, our first pastoral resident was Emmett, that we all know and love, and we sent him to Maryland as a Uh, ambassador missionary up there to a church that he's serving and baptizing people, by the way. I got pictures the other day of uh, adults that he's baptizing, so thanks be to God for that. Uh, Andrea, you know, uh, it was rumored and confirmed last week that she is in serious conversations with a church, a sister church, and uh, they are continuing to have those conversations. There is an in view of a call weekend you all know what that means. She and her family will go there, have conversations with the church and they with her, and uh, in all likelihood, if if they're smart, will extend a call to her to come be their senior pastor and they will be relocating out of the area uh, to go serve that church. So that will be number two. And that's what we're supposed to do. As Andrea said, this is the rhythm of this program. This is what happens. Um the passage from Ephesians is, is to my ear a beautiful passage. I, I love this passage, and it's so appropriate for us today. The admonition for us, and this is not just for Alina and Connie and Andrea and Charles and Chip and those who are who are paid to do ministry. This admonition in this passage in Ephesians is for every believer. It's for every single one of you who are following Christ as his disciple. It's an admonition for us to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That is on each of us. The calling of God on our lives for each of us We'll talk more about that, of course, and about your calling specifically in a little bit. Paul continues in this passage to tell us to be completely humble and gentle. We can tell you who out here is more humble and gentle than others. Uh, and patient. And We have some really good patient people. That's good. And bearing one another in love, which I think everybody in this room And even those who follow online today uh, do quite well. We love. And then we're to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond. We're bonded in peace. Peace. He goes on to describe how united we are as, and he reiterates one body, one Spirit, one hope, one Lord one faith, one baptism, and then he begins to talk about the diversity of ways that each of us serve and live out being part of this one body of Christ. And he names some of those roles there. And we can look around the room and name roles in ways that each of you serve. That's how this this thing works that Paul's talking about. And he says that Christ's people make up his body. And in that effort, we continue to grow and to mature. And each and every one does his or her part. Until, and here's how we know, whoa, get ready, until we all attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And how do we see that? When we represent Christ in this world as individuals and as this unified body of Christ. It's a beautiful passage. It's a lot to live into, and the only way we can do it is with the help of Christ in our lives. We had a pool of candidates for this position. People want to come here and be at Second Baptist Liberty and want to serve as pastoral residents. So we had a pool, and we interviewed, and we we came down to two of you. And honestly, the other candidate was a very fine candidate. Um, but we, as we prayed about it and as we discerned, we felt led to invite you to come to this position. So you've just moved. Yes. The first, the first week of this month, a lot of these good folks helped you move in, right? Uh, you're probably still unboxing a few things. Mostly, mostly got it done. You and Pax are still figuring out the streets and the yards and all of that. Pax is her dog in Liberty. Um, and you're learning people. And I'm amazed at the number of people, names, and faces you're putting together already here at Second Baptist. That's, that's impressive. Um, so you're beginning to get settled. You're beginning here. But this is not your very first ministry setting. Um, So to help the congregation get to know you, we're going to spend a few minutes, I'll ask a few questions, okay? The Ephesian passage reminds all of us what a great privilege and a tremendous opportunity it is to answer the call of God in each of our lives, including your call. So, So let's get started first. Uh, tell, tell us how in the world you got from Houston, Texas to Liberty, Missouri, and how your call was part of that trip.
1: Yeah, that's a great question, um, and one that I can't answer quickly and say, well, this is how I ended up here. Um, I think for me, Connie, and congregation, this has been a journey of my entire life. Uh, I'm one of those people whose calling to ministry um, began when I was very young. Um, I'm originally from the Piney Woods of East Texas. I've heard a few people who have some connections, um, and way to go you if you know where I'm from. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I'm from the Piney Woods of East Texas, and it's a place where, you know, if you know anything about it, it's the most conservative area of Texas is what it's deemed. And that means a few things. It means there's a lot of um, injustice, uh, injustice runs rampant in the area uh, for lots of different things, specifically racial injustice. It means that being a woman called to ministry just doesn't quote unquote happen. Uh, It also means that there are not full-time ministers. Uh, A minister is always bivocational. I had never seen a full-time minister until I was in college, um, because that's just not the way the culture works. So as a very young kid, I found myself struggling saying, I'm called to ministry. And that sprang forth from a lot of things. I was very shy as a child, and if you've met me now, you know that's not the case anymore. My family loves to remind me of that, Connie. But I was very shy as a child, and the church, a tiny, small country church, wrapped me up. They held me so well, and they were what I thought the church should be. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I said, I want to do for the world what they have done for me. Mm And so as I grappled with these things, as I went to college and then seminary, trying to figure out what can calling be, I found myself kind of on a journey, I like to say an adventure, because I never quite knew what that was going to look like. I mean, you even referenced it. I mean, I've been a children's pastor. I've worked with college students. um, I just recently was a missions pastor, kind of all along the journey of of discernment and seeing where God was calling. You know, I think for me, the biggest part of this has been not necessarily saying what am I capable of, but actually what's available to me. The upbringing that I came from and the culture that I came from didn't really provide me an opportunity to see a woman in this role, nor to see someone do this as a vocation. I mean, that just wasn't an opportunity for me. And so most of my career has been discerning what does this look like? And how does this fit into the calling that I feel so deeply, the passions I have for caring for the marginalized people, for, for the calling of, of leading the church and, and you know foundational teachings. What does this look like? I think for me, it's been a journey. Now you ask me, how did I end up in Liberty from mm-hmm. Houston? And I think that's not an answer to that question. <laughs> but I think as I think about how I ended up right here on this Sunday morning, It is that story, it's the little girl who felt a call to ministry and said, I'm going to do that. I've got to figure out what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And I think even in the last few months of moving and getting ready to come, it's been that story that's been the constant thread um, of just saying, am I living into the calling that I've been, that I've known I've had for a long time, even as I've discerned what that really has looked like.
0: Mm Well this is a good place to continue that discernment mm-hmm. uh, and I speak from personal experience because this, this congregation and some who have gone on mm-hmm. uh, helped me in, do that very thing in my own life. So uh, I don't want to disparage my Texas friends at all and I okay. have a lot of good Texas friends um, but I can understand, coming from Texas Baptist life, you had not seen many, any women, yeah. uh, in the, even in the pulpit. That is true. So talk to us, because this program is designed for persons who f- feel a specific call to senior pastorate. Hmm. So how did you discern that specific call to be senior pastor? Sure. Sure. Yeah, I
1: think for me, as I said, this has been a journey, right? Um, As it is for everyone, I hope you are experiencing that too, even if you're not called to vocational ministry. For me, I struggled most of my life with my deep desire to work amongst and work within congregations that were active in, in serving the community well. To looking to where God was at work and saying, we want to partner into that work. But I had never seen a congregation do that well. Um, it was one of my biggest frustrations with the church, Connie, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. Um, it is also why I deeply love the church. Mm-hmm. Um, is a two-fold moment of saying, I feel called to this work. I, I, I will tell you very quickly that there's a big difference between, you know, what I've always known my calling to be versus what I could actually call out my calling to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I've known for a very long time, I think, even maybe before I could put words to it, that I was called to be a senior pastor. Um, I, I know that people around me saw that long before I did. Mm-hmm. And when I finally did say that and verbalize it, it was like, oh yeah, we know, we absolutely know that. How did you not know that? But for me, my hang-up with being able to call that out was I said, these are the things I'm passionate about and I don't see senior pastors doing this work. I don't see that. And therefore, I couldn't say these things could be bridged together. Sorry, I believe that is me. He's doing great work. But, (laughs) But for me... I realized, I had a professor in seminary, and after class one day, we were visiting, and this professor had heard all of my griefs. (laughs) They were a good listening ear, and my mom will tell you, I'm the most opinionated person in any room, Um, and she's not wrong, unfortunately. But my professor had heard my opinions, my thoughts, and I remember sitting in a class, after the class was over, and they were so kind. And for the very first time, I said, and this was in seminary. I said, I, I think I'm called to be a senior pastor. And they, like so many people around me, said, oh, yeah, absolutely. We knew that. And I vocalized this frustration of this these two things that I didn't see could be congruent. And they said, oh, but that's why people go to menis- go into ministry. If that's something you feel passionate about, do you not think that God could call somebody to do both of those things, to lead the church in that work? And so how did I discern that process? Well, Connie, I think it's something that's lived within me my whole life. And I didn't necessarily run from ministry. I mean, I've been in ministry long enough to say I didn't run from this work. But I struggled because I hadn't witnessed and seen testimony of it. Right. And so when I finally figured that out, when I laid out the facts, when I looked at my giftings and my talents and my all of the pieces of ministry that I love, the things that gives fuel to why I like ministry, I realized there it was in black and white on paper. My giftings are to be a senior pastor. And as somebody who wanted to see that written down, it was a moment where I went, why have I not been saying this all along? I have no idea. And so uh, that happened for me in seminary. Uh, I want to make sure I give you the timeline there, but I would say it's part of my calling story because it had already been in the works long before then. Mm. Um, I just was maybe a little too stubborn for my own good Mm. in figuring out and vocalizing what that looked like.
0: Opinionated and stubborn. Yeah, yeah. I think (laughs) you're going to fit right in. Oh, good. So. You have alluded to this. You, you don't come to us with no ministry experience. Uh, if you look at uh, Alina's resume, in fact, um, in, in college, you were a children's minister. I was. And then you went straight from college to seminary. Mm-hmm. And in seminary, because you were on a campus that had an undergraduate program as well as a seminary, Um, You started a chaplain program, a chaplaincy for undergrad students, and you were a chaplain. You were part Mm -hmm. of that ministry. Uh, You finished seminary, graduated. A church um, there who knew about you kind of created a a ministry for you, a position for you, and hired you to, to come have you be on staff, and you served there. And then you received a calling from Sugarland Baptist Church in Houston, Texas, Mm -hmm. which is a mega church. They have several thousand people at this church. And there uh, you were the missions and benevolence pastor at this church. So you have really, and I'm not going to tell your age, but she's a young pup, let me just tell you. Uh, You have a lot of ministry experience. You've been in ministry really all of your adult life. Uh, and yes. it's not been a long life, but you've done a lot of ministry. So so as you come here mm-hmm. uh, to this pastoral residency program, um, I'm guessing there's, there's still, and especially because it's geared toward senior mm-hmm. pastor, mm-hmm. there's some things that you've not had the opportunity to experience or to learn, mm-hmm. though you've learned a lot, so I don't want to diminish that, but share two, three things that you'd like to learn as you come here?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm naturally someone who, who loves to learn. I've even said that, I think, several times. It's probably annoying if you've heard me say it more than once by now. I, you can always learn things, right? As I thought about what does this look like, what, what are the things I want to learn, and why, why would I even accept a residency after so many years of different kinds of ministry, I found myself kind of stuck between two things. One of them is I've never served in a senior pastorate um, in that capacity at all. And if that's the calling that I have, there are things specific to that role I want to learn. I want to learn what it looks like to preach on a regular basis. I've never done that. I have preached, um, and you can see if it's good or bad in a few weeks, (laughs) but I've never done that consistently. And so that's one of the things, practicing manuscripting and and the tone of those things, just really... um, you know, balancing those pieces and learning the specifics there with balancing, you know, even doing benevolence and care and pastoral care for people. Um, I've never had to do both of those things simultaneously. And so those are things that as I step into that role, um, post leaving here, we're not gonna think too much on that, but post leaving here, I wanna be able to do that well and know how to do that in a way that serves my congregation and the community that we serve best that I can. The other thing I want to learn, and forgive me for saying it this way, is I want to learn about you Midwesterners. Uh, You know, I have done a lot of ministry, Connie, um, and served in a lot of areas, but I've always served within the same cultural context. I've always served in Texas, and Texas people are not all exactly alike, but I know what it's like to serve in Texas, right? And so it's not just that I want to learn about you. I'm excited to learn about what makes a Midwesterner tick or those of you who are transplants here. But I'm more excited to learn about what it looks like for someone who's not from this culture to step into a Midwestern culture, to learn not only what makes your tick, but how to minister to you, how to minister with you. And then from there, leave this place, and whether I'm placed in the Midwest or somewhere else, to take with me the knowledge of maybe, yes, what it looks like to minister with a Midwesterner and to a Midwesterner, but also to know what it looks like and how to leave a space and minister to someone in a culture that's different than my own or different than where I've served. Um, And that's not an experience that I have. You know, being able to take that and say, there are things that are similar, but learning how to navigate people in the culture, and what makes a church themselves uh, the church identity, right, um, to be able to do that well. I think those are the things that right now, and there will be lots of things that stand out, sure. but right now, I think those sure. are the things that are most exciting to me um, and the things I want to learn.
0: That's good. Uh, and we anticipate always learning from our pastoral residents, and that has been true. We learned a lot from Emmett. We have learned and are still learning from Andrea. Uh, and we anticipate learning from you. Um, give us a little uh, insight. What, what do you hope to bring to, to this congregation, to your ministry here?
1: Yeah, I think there are several things I hope to bring, um, just because I think that's a good balance. But I think for me, it's kind of the philosophy that I hold in my ministry as a person. When I encounter you, I want you to feel that I create a space for you to just be. A place where you come and rest even in the chaos of yourself and just feel rejuvenated, to feel inspired, not by necessarily anything that I've done, but to be reminded of the inspiration blossoming from within you. I want to be the kind of place that does that the kind of person who does that. So when I think about what I want to leave, and I I, I, I would say it this way better, is if I'm going to leave something behind when I go, I hope that what I can do is to leave good reflection of you to say, in her presence, I felt rejuvenated. I felt a place of rest. I felt inspired to be the best that God has called me to be.
0: Nice. Thank you, thank yeah. you. I, I trust that you will leave that kind of impact here. Um, I I, uh, I have just a couple other questions. Okay. Um, have you bought a Chiefs T-shirt yet? <laughs> I have not bought a Chiefs T-shirt. I've okay. been told to buy one. Though. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we gotta we gotta get that going. All right. Um, Tell us, how can how can we pray for you as you, as you yeah. begin your ministry here? How can we pray for you?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think first and foremost, I would say just transitions are hard. Yeah. And so figuring out how everything's functioning, you know, I'm grateful for those of you who have been very patient with me as I have figured out lots of things. But I know that's going to continue and that I will be diligent in learning those things. So quick to learn them and diligent and faithful in the learning. Um, and maybe even just in me adjusting to, I'm, this is a, maybe the farthest I've ever been from family in general. Mm-hmm. So always I am grateful for those prayers for me and for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think those are maybe the things at this point. Yeah, I, both are, are important and both will be helpful to me as I get acclimated here.
0: Yeah, well, I, I will absolutely assure you that this congregation will pray in those ways for you. In these days ahead, and weeks ahead, so right. Okay. Thank you. I get an amen. amen. All right. <laughs> Each pastoral resident has a support team uh, to partner in their time here, and Alina's team is led by Leslie Bunch. Um, uh, Kim Kankowitz, Roland Yokum, Blaine Baker, Wes Blanton, and Christy Edwards all make up that team. And then Susie Gertz serves in responsibility as uh, hospitality on that team. Alina, uh, we welcome you again, and we pray God's foolish, fullest measure of blessing on you. Um, Leslie's now going to come and lead us in a covenant with the resident, and with the congregation. And following that, Wes will lead us in a prayer. Thank you.